The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Smallville Gazette, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series. Poppy Chulo Radio, celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Wednesday, June 16th, 2021, an international holiday also known as my birthday. And I'm your host, Jeffrey Oruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on the CW's Superman and Lois. Please welcome my co-host, Professor X. Hello, Smallville. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 1, Episode 10, which was titled, Oh Mother, Where Art Thou? Question mark, and aired June 15th, 2021. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Lana reaches out to Lois and Clark when Kyle starts behaving strangely. Meanwhile, Jonathan opens up to Jordan... And Sarah storms out after accusing her mom of always covering for her dad. Okay. Well, yes, that kind of really did happen. I feel like they created this press release to be as uh, non-spoilery as possible. And if you think about it, I guess that is kind of what happened, but not really, because so much happened in this episode. So... The first thing that I want to talk about is exactly where we left off in the previous episode. Because we had this discussion at the end, and we were like, there's no way Morgan Edge is actually Superman's brother. But it turns out that he is Superman's brother, Superman's half-brother, via his mother, uh, Lara. Uh, and we learn that, uh, okay, so the, the short story of the long story is that uh, Lara Lorvan was paired with Zeta Rowe, and, uh, you know, on Krypton, uh, people were paired together, but then she ended up falling in love with uh, Jor-El, and that's how uh, Kal-El came into existence, but, um, but she had a child with Zeta Ro named Tal Ro, and when Krypton was uh, going to kaboom, he sent his child Tal Ro to Earth. Uh, Tal Ro lands in the British countryside, and uh, he basically gets the complete opposite reaction that Kal-El got when he landed on Earth, and that's where his disgust and disdain for humans comes from. Professor, let's talk about Talro. Were you surprised? Uh, what did you think? Uh, apparently they are brothers, uh, outside of just being Kryptonian brothers. Uh, what did you think of the reveal, the information, the flashbacks, everything Talro? Well, I, I, last week I, I thought he was just using brother in the colloquial, you know, fellow Kryptonians on Earth. Um, the the whole thing about being a half brother, 
I mean, it holds together. You know, I can say, well, it's pretty damned unlikely that of all the, the two people on Krypton, you know, not counting Supergirl, uh, who made it to Earth. Um, and, you know, how as unlikely as and you could say, well, what are the odds? Well, you know what? Superman's cousin, uh, Supergirl, exactly the same thing happened to her. So it's not as inconceivable. I mean, you know, it, it fits the canon, shall we say. I like the explanation, you know, the uh, the story about uh, uh, mom being, you know, genetically matched to someone, you know, fits with the continuity that's been established in some of the movies. Uh, so that worked. I also like the idea that, you know, the idea of, of how your upbringing affects you. You know, uh, Talro had the the very different, uh, you know, upbringing, you know, in an England surprisingly filled with guns. Uh, are you sure you didn't land in Texas? Um but uh, I like that. It sort of, you know, has echoes of, of Red Sun, the idea that, you know, you're not a good person just because you're born a good person. You're you're the person that you are because of the way you're raised. And this sort of, you know, reinforces, you know, an element that's you know very heavy in the story of, you know, the role that Superman Clark's parents played in raising him and making them the man he is. Uh, and the importance in particular of, of Martha Kent, who's been, you know, sort of a ghostly figure, uh, you know, in, in the sh- series, you know, uh, since it started in episode one. So while it was a, a little convenient, uh, I think it would be just as effective, honestly, if it was any other Kryptonian. But, you know, having that familial connection did make it a little more personal and also set up, you know, what's going to happen, you know, with the uh, the reveal later in the episode. So overall, you know, I may have thought it was a little convenient at the time or a little weird. Uh, but, you know, the payoff that we got, I think, made it worthwhile. I do agree with that. Uh, the payoff later on was fantastic uh we will get there momentarily but let's talk about uh tal rose plan because he is a man with a plan and his plan is to turn earth into new krypton i feel like we've heard that before from kryptonians in the past so it's not a new plan but uh, it's the first time they're doing it here on superman and lois and uh, how he's going to make that happen is he's going to resurrect a whole bunch of kryptonians basically putting their kryptonian consciousnesses into human hosts and, uh, yeah, that's how the Kryptons will take over and rule Earth. Uh, Superman basically tells him he's not willing to sacrifice Earth for his plan. And uh, Talbro is like, you know, we can even bring our mother back to life. But it's, that doesn't even sell Superman. And uh, the, the final words that Talbro tells Supes is that uh, if he doesn't join him, he will be eradicated dun 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 which is a term from the comics there is an eradicator in in various different forms throughout the dc comic universe so clark ends up telling his family edge's plan and uh lois basically and and everyone else so you know his kids you know tell him to go to the fortress to find out if there's a shred of truth to anything that talro has said but uh when, after, I should say, Clark uh, reveals all this to his family, there is an interesting conversation that the family does have. The brothers have it together about Clark, Superman, you know, he's going to have family, he's going he's gonna to have actual Kryptonian brothers and sisters and whatever, whatever here. Would he choose them over us? And uh, Jordan is like, you know, I saw video footage from Irons' Earth where uh, Superman chooses to be with his Kryptonian people. You know, could he do that? And uh, 
Lois overhears everything, and she basically tells him what we know. It, it's that Clark, as Superman, actually has a family on this Earth, and, and his family is Lois and his kids, and, this other, and there's no way that he would choose others over his own family. Let's talk about this, Professor. Let's talk about Talro's plan. Let's talk about how uh, the Kents react to Talro's plan. I'm still a little bugged by the idea that you can just transfer Kryptonian consciousness into a human and they gain Kryptonian powers. Um, that feels a little still, still a bit hand-wavy, even if you do bring in a guy with two PhDs to sort of, you know, uh, apply the hand-waviness uh, of – and then that guy saying, I don't even understand what it's doing. Uh, it was a nice touch. <laughs> Um, I like the, uh, you know, the reveal from Jor-El sort of confirming the story, you know, because again, it, it could be one of those things where, you know, should you believe the bad guy, uh, when the bad guy says, you know, we're brothers and that's why, you know, we should work together. Uh, and, you know, to get that independent confirmation was great, you know, finding out, uh, the fact that, you know, while Kal-El's, uh, or well, um, Jor-El's consciousness is there, uh, they didn't have, uh, his mother's because it had been stolen by someone. Hmm. I wonder if that's going to come back. Um, the, um, uh, yeah, the family stuff was interesting because, you know, it is mirroring the uh, the familial aspect of what's happening, uh, you know, Superman on his Kryptonian family side, finding out he has a half brother, uh, you know, finding out he can, uh, you know, uh, bring his mother back in some way is quite interesting because, uh, you know, it's sort of setting up, you know, the importance of family. Uh, but I think, again, having Lois, you know, make that statement that, you know, uh, you know, it's family, I think it's, it's just reinforcing that element that, you know, you are who you are because of your environment not just your your genes it's it's nurture over nature and you know clark is who he is not just because of the family that he has now but because of the people that found him and raised him presumably you know the superman that we saw from uh, irons's world uh was someone who wasn't raised by uh jonathan martha kent and therefore didn't have that upbringing didn't have that that uh that sort of moral backbone that they instilled in him and and that's why he made the decision he made on that earth and why clark makes the decision decision he makes on this earth so i think it, it really helped you know fill in the gaps in in uh, clark's story as well as giving the family something to do 100 uh, percent something that you mentioned uh, when we were talking about uh Talro in general uh, you know the previous question that i asked was that uh, the kents really are such an important um such an important element in Clark's life the concept of this uh you know superman that turns evil on Irons's world it com- completely makes sense that he did not have or he probably didn't have we're just sort of assuming but i think this will prove to be true i don't think he had the kents in his life and uh just the effect of Martha and Jonathan uh, on uh young Clark's life, you know, just completely formed him into the man that he is today. And and we don't have Martha on the show much. You know, we get her at times when there are flashback episodes. Uh, you know, we get her at times, you know, when the community talks about her, so we feel her essence. But we don't have her as much of a presence as we have had uh, in, like, previous uh, small screen iterations of The Man of Steel. So... Uh, just knowing that, uh, you know, his experiences like with the Kents were so formidable that they completely shaped the man who he is, is uh, incredibly important in the series. And it, it's a true testament to, you know, both uh, his mother and father here on Earth of how much of an influence they had on him growing up. So, 
let's talk about Kyle. Let's talk about a different parent. We're not going to talk about Lana yet, uh, because I have plenty of questions about Lana in, in a moment. But let's focus on Kyle right now. So the episode starts off with uh, Kyle and Lana at the Cushing house discussing what Kyle went through. She starts questioning him about the process and this, that, or the other uh, before she can get any deets. The DOD show up at the door and he goes full Kryptonian. They they do end up um, capturing him and they try to get some information from him, they being uh, uh, General Lane, but even the Kryptonite that he's being um, tortured with, uh, you know, gives uh, Lane bupkis, basically. Uh, later on in the episode, uh, we're going to bring Sarah into the mix. Sarah is uh, confiding with the Kent uh, twins about, you know, everything that's been going on with her and how she's feeling about her father. She has this um, ar- huge argument with her mother earlier in the episode where she feels that she keeps on defending her alcoholic father. This leads them to uh, confide in her the truth that they know what's going on, Morgan Edge, implanting people, superpowers, they don't really understand it, but that's what's going on, and that her father has been altered by Edge. She's kind of confused, she doesn't really, she isn't really sure what to believe, so they end up taking her to her father, and he goes full, um... Regan from The Exorcist on her without the, the split pea soup. And uh, she kind of understands what's going on. Um, later on, she also visits him again. And, uh, you know, he's still extra Kryptonian uh, with her. Um, we'll talk about Jonathan in a moment as well, because I, I do have a question separately about him and, and what he says to his grandfather. And, and that sort of is what allows him to go and see Kyle, because he is um, protected by the DOD. Professor, let's talk about Kyle. What do you think of him in this episode? We always discuss on the other CWverse shows actors playing different versions of either themselves or just different version, or not different versions of themselves, but just also different characters you know, within the same character. We're seeing Kyle possessed by a hella angry Kryptonian. What do you think of Kyle in this episode? And what do you think of um, Sarah's reaction to Kyle? Uh, well, first, you know, you mentioned the DOD comes to the door. It was Lois that came to the door, went in and, you know, was, you know, facing down a Kryptonian, you know, armed with only a hidden piece of kryptonite. So once again, the the ballsy Lois Lane, uh, yes. you know, taking to uh, to uh, to stun him and allow the DOD to move in safely, because, you know, if the DOD had moved in uh, on a, a Kryptonian, you know, it probably wouldn't have gone well for them. That is true. Um, so but I think all of that was a plan that they created together. Of course, yes. Yeah, but Lois would have had to uh, volunteer to do that. And I'm sure it would have oh, been Lois's. I can't imagine anyone suggesting to General Lane, "Hey, why don't we get your daughter to, you know, potentially have herself killed?" Um, uh, <laughs> but again, I, I think Kyle and the actor playing Kyle did a good job in this episode. Um, you know, sort of, you know, he was playing. And again, it's, it's not entirely clear to what extent. I think you know the the head that I have is that you know the Kryptonian consciousness is just lurking there as it's you know establishing itself. It can be called out when you know there's a signal or something like that. But for the most part, when we were seeing Kyle talking, it was Kyle talking. And it wasn't until, you know, the Kryptonian lurking within saw Lois at the door that it sort of snapped in and took control. 
Um, it, it's an interesting question, you know, so uh, if the Kryptonians were to give up, so when the Kryptonian was being tortured, uh, you know, with Kryptonite, if the Kryptonian had, you know, given up control and, you know, let Kyle take the wheel. Would that mean the pain would go away because it was no longer a Kryptonian? Uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's all headcanon to me. Um, but I did like that. I, I, I think. I mean, yes, it was very story convenient and and you know a little bit silly to think that these three teenagers could get in and see this incredibly dangerous prisoner. Um, they did give it a bit of a justification, uh, as you, you were saying, with Jonathan talking to uh, to the general. Uh, from the general's point of view as well, you know, he might have been thinking, you know, you could argue that, you know, well, maybe if, uh, if, if Kyle sees his daughter, he'll snap out of it or something like that. But it felt more to me like just, well, we're doing this for story purposes. Let's not look too closely at it. But it was, you know, quite touching. You know, it gave Sarah the chance to react to the realization that, oh, that's not my father uh, in there. And also, you know, it, it gave a lot of, uh, of story. So when she was talking to Jonathan, uh, or to Jordan, I should say, you know, and, and basically, you know, she's excusing him for all the lies he's been telling uh, because she just assumed it was related to this, which it's really not. But, you know, and I think uh, the actor playing Jordan did a good job of someone who is, uh, you know, sort of going along, uh, you know, at, you know, uh, allowing someone to deceive themselves, but not feeling entirely good about it. I think he did a very nice job of, of playing that, you know, even though he didn't have any, you know, any words uh, to express that. I think he was expressing that with his uh, his body language and his facial gestures quite nicely. Uh, overall, I think it, it worked really effectively. I was sort of terrified, you know, the fact that, you know, when, you know, they were building up to the, uh, the, the climax of it, that, you know, Sarah was in there uh, by the holding cell. And I thought, oh, my God, something terrible is going to happen uh, to that holding cell. And Sarah's going to be bathe in energy and something's going to happen to her it didn't happen thankfully uh, i really did think for a moment that's where they were going with it but it was just so that she could be there you know her dad came out of it and it ended up being very gratifying because you know she was there when you know kyle returned to being himself and you know even though you know kyle has not always been the uh the most likable character uh as i said i think they've done a pretty good job of, of humanizing him of explaining his his actions and his behavior and uh you know so for him to get the redemption of you know uh regaining control of himself and seeing his daughter there uh waiting for him i think was a very surprisingly emotional payoff and you know again in an episode that's all about family right this this whole episode family 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 you know to get that with the uh, that subplot there was was kind of a nice touch Tis true, tis true. I just want to give a little bit of props to Sarah. As I said before with Jonathan and I think Jordan at one point during you know, the podcast and previous episodes, you know, the kids are incredibly mature. Maybe not Jordan as much. Or wait, Jordan. Yes, Jordan has the powers. Jonathan does not. Yes. Uh, maybe Jordan not as much. But uh, they have an immense amount of maturity at times that sometimes it's easy to forget that they are teens. And Sarah, you know, as many problems as she has, you know, she's always sort of cool, calm, and collected. But when she got emotional with the twins, you know, at the diner, you know, I was like, oh my God, there's the kid coming out of Sarah. Like, she's she's a kid. She's just, you know, a teenager. And uh, I thought that was a really just nice moment of vulnerability that Sarah was able to play in that moment. And um, speaking of maturity, uh, Jonathan had two stellar moments in this episode. The first one was with his grandfather basically telling him, you know, every decision that you make, you know, ends up getting fucked up. Can you act like a human for once? And this was his means of um, convincing him to allow Sarah to see her father. 
And and then later on, uh, he has an incredibly mature moment and, and a tender moment with his brother because um, his brother doesn't really know what to do when it comes to Sarah. I mean, she's she clearly now had like the weight of the world on her shoulders in trying to understand everything that's happening in Smallville in general, but also with her father. And he's like, you know, just go talk to her, be there for her, this, that, or the other. And, and, and they have a really, they have a nice moment together as brothers, and which leads to a really nice moment between uh, Jordan and Sarah as well, which, you know, she's kind of, she kind of understands why he's been weird. Oh, she doesn't really understand why he's been weird, if you know what I'm saying. But she kind of surmises based off of, like, everything that's going on in the town, and clearly his grandfather is part of the DOD, so they would probably know what's going on in the town, so she kind of understands why he's been a little weird, and maybe he hasn't been there for her, you know, at the times when she's needed him, like the talent show and that sort of thing. Professor, talk to me about uh, Jonathan in this episode. What did you think of those two moments, the one with his grandfather and the one with uh, Jordan? Uh, before I get to those, I just want to mention uh, another scene that Sarah had that I thought was really good. You know, you mentioned the idea that she plays, you know, a convincing teen. And I think it's true that, you know, quite often Jonathan in particular uh, uh, and, and Jordan, you know, do come off, you know, very mature for the teenagers they're supposed to be. Um, but uh, I, I really thought the scene where uh, Sarah, you know, uh, you know, blew off her mother and, and stormed out, that felt very teenagery to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I will agree with that. Teenager in a bad sense. You know, we talked on other shows about, you know, annoying teens. This felt very, you know, real, you know, the way a teenager would react. And I think, you know, I, I don't remember the actress's name, but I think she's very, very good. Um, you know, she's she's playing a very subtly nuanced character uh, that is is really interesting and, and has a lot of depth. So I love that. Uh, as for Jonathan, uh, again, yes, he did, you know, and it's 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 as much a um, um an account of how this version of Sam Lane is different from the comic book version of Sam Lane or other versions of Sam Lane that we've seen, uh, you know, uh, on screen that this Sam Lane would actually listen to someone and, and change his mind on the base of that. And, and again, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's because it's family, it's because it's his grandchild. Um, but uh, it was really good. I do. You know, I, I, I still find myself, you know, thinking to Jonathan, you know, Jonathan, you, you get up on your high horse talking about, uh, you know, uh, everything that I'm doing is wrong. But, uh, you know, if it weren't for us developing those kryptonite uh, holding cells and the kryptonite handcuffs, uh, guess what? Your mom and uh, uh, and then Lana Lang would be dead now. So why don't you shut up, boy, and, and let me go on saving the world? Because, <laughs> you know, and, and honestly, this, you know, we have to assume this is going to, you know, play into the fact that they do have a rogue Kryptonian, too technically, uh, running around. And so, you know, the, all the time that, you know, uh, the, the general has spent, you know, working on this will pay off. Um, so I think it's, it's a little sort of, you know, childish naivete on, on Jonathan's part to, uh, to suggest otherwise. Uh, but that scene with Jordan was really good. And again, Jordan has, you know, Jordan is sort of like the, the kid who stays. In, and, you know, it, it's really only, you know, since they've moved to Smallville that Jordan has come out of his shell, that he's been out interacting with people. He was always the kid who stayed in his room and played video games and stuff while Jonathan was out interacting with the world and, and making connections and, and you know, uh, being the more social of the twins. And so for him to give the advice, and it was, you know, exactly the right advice to give, just Go there and be there for her. Just, you know, don't try to make a move. This is not the time for a brother. Uh, but, uh, you know, just listen. Uh, 
and and just let her talk. And that was exactly the right thing to say. And again, I, I do question whether, you know, someone of his age would really be that mature. But in my head canon, it's that, you know, the child of Lois Lane and Clark Kent would have a pretty good head on his shoulders. And uh, and, and that's how I explain that uh, surprising maturity for someone so young. Yes. He, yeah, he's the mature twin. I mean, let's be, just be for real when it comes to everything. But, uh, yeah, just fantastic moments for, for Jonathan in this episode. Uh, he, once again, continues to impress. So uh, we're going to start talking about Lana. But before we get into that, I need, I need a little bit of setup. So uh, we learned that there is uh, a doctor, Dabney Donovan, who's uh, out there that is... Um, that, that, that was Edge's personal physician. Lana actually recognizes him. And uh, they, they um, try to get some information from Kyle. He doesn't give any information, but, they, but the DOD does end up tracking him down. And Superman flies to the lab that we've seen before, where the uh, contraption is, the eradicator. And um, you know, they end up nabbing him. And uh, as you said, Professor, he doesn't really understand the technology. He just knows what to do. They tried to talk about the concept of reversing the process, but um, he, he basically hints that uh, you know they're going to need the person who invented the technology to do that. While all this is going on, uh, Lana ends up uh, going to the DoD, the the base in in looks like just you know the intersection of. Um, Apple Lane and, uh, you know, uh, Shrub Terrace in, in, in Smallville uh, with Lois. And, and we get to see Lana fangirl about Superman. Because she, she, like, just the look on her face, Emmanuel Shrieky just played it perfectly. She was, like, in awe of him. And we even hear her say, you know, I've seen him on the TV. I know that you're used to all this hoopla, Lois, but this is, it's Superman in the flesh. And uh, so she overhears them talking about everything that they need to do, that they, they basically need to get Laura, Laura Van, a.k.a. Superman's mother. Um, they, they need to find a host, someone in Smallville, and Lana volunteers to be that person. Lois and Clark do not approve of this. Lois tries to talk her out. Lana, in, in the best way possible, I think, explains why she needs to do this. She feels responsible. She was a part of it. Uh, you know, un, unknowing. Like, unknowingly, she was a part of it. She didn't know that this is what was going on. She's the one that recommended these people from Smallville to be the subjects for um, for Morgan Edge, her husband is now infected, uh, possessed, whatever you want to call it. Uh, she's worried about her kids, and f for all of that, for all those reasons, and so much more, you know, because she is she's from Smallville, and, and she feels a responsibility to her people. Uh, she's the one that volunteers. Superman tries to dissuade her. Uh, Lois basically tells her husband, you know, maybe she'll listen to you, you know, as Superman. And, uh, you know, she basically doubles and, and um, triples down. And so Lana de does end up going through the process, and we see Lara communicating to uh, Superman, to, to, to her son, uh, through Lara's, uh, through Lana's 
body. Okay, let's talk about this, Professor. Let's talk about Lana, Lana's decision, Lana fangirling over Superman, Lara in Lana. Uh, what did you think of uh, Superman's mother, Superman's biological mother, uh, making her debut on Superman and Lois? Uh, love the fangirling scene. Uh, something that you know we don't often get is the sense of wonder that you or I would have if we met these characters like Superman. Uh, you know, especially for Lana. You know, small town girl never left the small town, stayed there. You know, uh, married young, uh, raised a family. So to see this icon, uh, and you know the uh, you know the, the realization on our part that this is her childhood friend, and she doesn't recognize him. I, it was interesting. And again, I think Emmanuel Shrikwi played it very well. There was a moment when uh, she was talking to Clark and, uh, and she was clearly, you know, talking to him as Superman. But there was a moment when he called her Lana, where I think she just played that little moment of looking at him in a different way, as if, you know, hearing her name from him. Uh, she was maybe putting pieces together that she'd never put together before. And I think earlier in the episode, there was even a line like stuff like this has never really happened before. You know, well, what a coincidence. The, uh, the Kents moved back and suddenly, you know, all this stuff is going on. Um, so I think there's a possibility that she she might have uh, had some questions about that uh, after that. But that said, it was just a delight, not just the fan fangirling early on, but, you know, that really touching scene, you know, uh, talking to Superman where he's trying to persuade her that, you know, she doesn't have to do this, you know. And and her arguing that, no, I do. I mean, that's my husband, that these are the people in my town. You know, anything I can do to help them, uh, I will do. Uh, it was really, really good. And it was a payoff. I mean, from a story point of view, there's no one else it could be than Lana, right? It has to be a Smallville resident. It has to be a series regular. Um, and uh, and there is, a, you know, a question, you know, which we haven't had uh, established because, you know, we haven't had anyone have the Kryptonian consciousness um, removed. Do they remember anything that happened to them? Because if so, Lana now knows the secret. So mm-hmm. I think that the uh, you know I, so if we find out that uh, you know uh, you know Kyle remembers what he did or he remembers it vaguely, I think that that could be a payoff that we get from this of of Lana finally finding out the secret uh, about you know her her childhood chum uh, going off to be Superman. Uh, but I really liked it. I think you know the idea of of bringing his mother in. Now again, it felt a little story contrived. One thing I did love about it was the idea that you know. It tends to be in, in, you know, Arrowverse type shows that if you are a scientist in one thing, you are capable of doing anything. So I love the fact that Jor-El was like, look, this wasn't my area of expertise. I don't know how she did it. This was your mother's deal. Um, so it gave them the perfect excuse to bring her back. Um, and it was beautifully played, you know, that, that tenderness with her son of, of all the questions um, uh, that, that she would have, both for Clark and for Lois. Although, again, this is probably due to, you know, uh, English not being her first language, being a Kryptonian and all, but the phrase, what's it like being with my son, could have been phrased better. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I thought that, because that would be a moment for Bitsy Tellick to just have a reaction shot of, oh, what do you mean? Oh, oh, you mean in the sense of, you know, just, oh, I get it now. Um, but, <laughs> oh, and given what we saw in Flash earlier in the episode, uh, earlier in the evening, uh, it, it wasn't that uh, far-fetched a uh, question. That and apparently Last, what Batman will and will not do <laughs> to Catwoman. But, uh, no, I, I really like that. I thought Emmanuel Shrikri played it beautifully. Uh, I thought it was a, a genius choice to have her embody that. And the questions that she asked 
were the questions that, you know, a mother would ask, you know, how is my son doing? What has your life been like? And for him to be able to tell her that, yeah, I became the hero that you wanted me to be, uh, you know, gave her a, you know, even if we never see her again, um, uh, I think she, you know, would have gotten some some peace, some sense of, of resolution because, you know, they didn't even know if the rocket would land and their son would survive to find out that, you know, he did survive and he became everything you could want your son to be uh, has to be a tremendous payoff. Uh, for uh, for her. And, you know, uh, I think, uh, yeah, as I say, uh, you know, Emmanuel Shrikley played it very, very well. She wasn't playing it over the top. It wasn't, you know, uh, as we've seen in, in other shows where you're playing a different character uh, or something like that. You know, it was just, you know, it was very subtle. And I liked how it was done. Mm-hmm. To rewind back to one of the, the first point that you made that, that I think it was a really good one. The little moment between Lana and Superman when she she gets a moment to, with the camera where she does a reaction. And I was like, I, f- I have a feeling that Emmanuel Shrieky played it that way because there has to be a payoff to that at some point. There was like a knowing glance. And uh, I wasn't sure if it was because he called her Lana. I wasn't sure if it was because of the line that he said. I was trying to think back. I was like, is that something that Clark said to her recently-ish? I was trying to think back, and and uh, I, I don't know. Like maybe that was a line that Clark had said to her earlier in the season. Who knows? But it seemed familiar. There was a familiarity there that she recognized that I think might lead to some questions. I think they kind of already answered the about the Kryptonian consciousnesses because uh, Kyle did say he blacked out. And if that's going to be the case with him, then I feel like they all black out once the Kryptonian sort of takes over. Now, per what you said at the end of it, though, we haven't had someone completely get the consciousness removed. So if the consciousness is removed, will they start to remember their episodes? We're going to have to wait and see. Because I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, shit, is she going to know everything? And I'm like, is this a little too soon for her to know everything? I do feel like Lana will find out at some point, but I don't know if I really want her to find out right now. Some people on the internet hope that um, she retains some sort of Kryptonian abilities, because apparently in the comics she plays uh, Superwoman, I think. I don't know much about the Superman comics, so I defer that to you, Professor. a version of Superwoman at one point. Okay, so some people are like, well, maybe she'll be Superwoman. Uh, well, we'll wait and see. But uh, I would assume if they're going to go down that storyline, then yeah, she's going to have to confer with someone. And then, you know, she'll find out the truth about Clark. And uh, basically, she'll have to find out the truth about uh, Jordan as well, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll wait and see when it comes to that. As far as uh, Lara in Lana. So I, I read two interviews with Emmanuel Shrieky, one on TV Line and one on Entertainment Weekly, and I don't remember in which one she said this, but she basically said that she called up the director, and she was like, first off, she was freaking out. Second of all, she also said that the fanboys were going to go crazy, because now she's playing these two, so not just Lana, but now another iconic uh, Superman comics character. Uh, but she also said that she called up the director, and she was like, how do you want me to play this? And basically what she, she learned was that uh, she, kind, she, she was told to sort of play a little bit like emotionless because on Krypton, they, they're much more reserved as a people. 
So, whereas, you know, a, an Earth mother, a human mother, would have been very emotional and maybe cried, you know, seeing her child again after not seeing their child in, you know, 20, 30 plus years, that this, the, the way that she wanted to play that same emotion, the same intensity of that emotion, was, you know, instead of crying, uh, you know, and that sort of thing, that she would sort of beam you know, radiates uh, pride, you know, and seeing her child, you know, and seeing her child, uh, you know, live a fantastic life, meet someone, you know, and fall in love with that person, have children, that a Kryptonian mother would have beamed with pride. And, and that's kind of what I got when she ended up embracing his face and, you know, just really beaming with pride of like hearing what uh, her child Kalel has been up to. So uh, I thought she played that really well. As you said, Professor, it was subtle. It wasn't like a complete shift in character, but you could tell she was playing someone else. You could tell that this wasn't Lana. And so uh, through her conversations with uh, Superman, uh, we do get a little bit of intel from her POV, basically that she did invent this technology, that uh, it wasn't intended to be used, you know, in a way to supplant another race with Kryptonians. And uh, she does end up, she does end up uh, reversing the process of the Eradicator. Uh, she also reveals that it must have been Zeta Ro who had stolen her Sunstone, and that's why, um, that's why, um, Clark doesn't have it, you know, he only has his, his father's, and that's who he confers with in the Fortress of Solitude, and, um, and she also, well, they try to, you know, come up with a way to basically mass uh, produce, you know, the effects of the Eradicator, and so uh, he leaves her to do that while he goes and confers with, uh, with Morgan Edge, and he ends up activating all of the Kryptonians in Smallville. A quick question for you, Professor. Were you shocked at the amount of activated people there were in Smallville? Because I sure the fuck was. Yeah, I, I sort of thought it was, you know, just going to be the ones that Lena had chosen, but uh, not Lena had chosen, that uh, Lana had chosen. But yeah, I was stunned, you know, when all these people are going. I also wonder about, you know, the whole signaling process and stuff like that. Are Kryptonians telepathic? If so, uh, you know, when Su I guess Superman could hear maybe they were using a tone or something like that. But the fact that everyone showed up at the right place at the same time, uh, you know, knowing what to do felt a little a little tiny bit contrived to me, but yeah. And, you know, sort of, you know, rank, ranking things up and, you know, establishing just how important it is to be able to reverse this because, you know, we're not just talking about one or two Kryptonians difficult though. That would be, uh, we're talking about a shit ton of them and, uh, yeah, it, it was surprising, but again, it just gives you that sense of, you know, of, you know, why Morgan edge is, is so dangerous, you know, because he has been managing to do this, for obviously some time, quietly in the shadows, uh, you know, setting this up. And, um, you know, uh, well, we'll talk more about uh, what happens to Morgan Edge later, so I'll stop there. All right. Well, let's, let's talk about Morgan Edge right now. So uh, Superman and Edge get into a, a philosophical conversation about us or them. Uh, you know, are you going to come with us? Are you going to be one of us, one of us, one of us? Or are you going to be going to choose them? And uh, 
earlier, uh, I mean, um, uh, 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 Edge uh, sort of realizes that, that Superman has uh, selected them when the Eradicator disappears, but he, he ends up still having that conversation with Superman, especially because their Kryptonian peeps are swarming in the air. Uh, and uh, Superman basically tells him that, you know, there is no us or them. And uh, so he ends up being chased by the Kryptonians and Edge, uh, the ex-Kryptonians and Edge. And he gets the idea of how to, um, how to fix the situation at hand, how to mass um, eradicate these uh, Kryptonian consciousnesses from uh, the humans and the small villains. And that's, the, he's going to uh, create a solar flare. And, uh, and, and so that's what he decides to do, even though Lane is like, that's going to put you out of commission for several days. I'm sure that's going to come back and bite all of them in the Tukus. But he does it anyway. Uh, he ends up charging up the, um, the uh, that was the, the the sunstone it looked like um, and uh, that uh, that yeah and it supercharges the eradicator and all of Edge's ex Kryptonite powered slash Kryptonian possessed um, soldiers uh, get their Kryptonian consciousnesses stripped away before all that happens I will say Leslie Lar and um, and uh, Edge sort of see that, and he tries to warn them to back away, but um, they don't. He does. Uh, let's talk about this, Professor, because this happened pretty fast, I would say. This is, uh, what episode did I say this was? This is episode 10, and we have five episodes left of the season. I mean, I was kind of worried that all of these ex-Kryptonite-infused people were not going to get depossessed. So the fact that they did get uh, depossessed is incredibly good. I, I was There was a part of me that was really worried about all these Smallville people. Just because, I mean, h hello. I, I mean, that it looked like it was half of Smallville <laughs> infected um, by what Morgan Edge was doing. So um, we were going to lose like half the town. Uh, so, But I'm, st I'm still surprised that this happened so soon. I mean, it's not to say that Edge can't try to possess more people maybe in, in, in a different way I don't I don't think they're gonna do this all over again but it was it was interesting that it's only episode 10 we have five episodes left and this happened uh, I was kind of impressed I feel like any other CW show would have tried to have dragged this out a little bit but uh, yeah it looks like everyone is safe and sound uh, you know everyone that has been possessed were you surprised professor yeah, in a good way. I, I agree. You know, I think we're so conditioned by the storytelling pace of most of the Arrowverse shows where they have this sense that, oh, we got to. And maybe it was because Superman Lois is their first season. They didn't know if they'd get a second. They wanted to make sure that they got a lot of stuff in. Um, and that can be done badly. See the last the last season of Black Lightning. Uh, but here it didn't feel rushed for some reason. Um, and it kind of makes sense. Like, you know, once they have the realization of what Edge is doing, it kind of has, you know, from a not from a story standpoint of, you know, trying to stretch it out to 18 episodes or 15 episodes or whatever, but from a story standpoint of, well, if they know this is going on, obviously they're going to do everything they can to stop it as soon as possible. And so to have it happen so fast, um, 
you know, it probably could have been stretched out over several episodes, and I'm, I'm sure there would have been some meat, but by making it so fast-paced, it made it an incredibly riveting, uh, you know, thing. Because, yeah, again, it, it, you know, doing it at the end of the season, you sort of would have had the expectation of it's going to end a certain way. But because it was the middle of the season, you could see it, well, this could fail. And then we've still got more episodes to deal with the fallout and, and try something else. Um so it ended up kind of being a surprise that the, the, the crazy moonshot trick actually worked. Um, and, but I loved it. You know, uh, you know, I, I certainly have no complaints about that. And, you know, uh, I think the uh, the writers and the showrunners of Superman and Lois have established, you know, by this point that, you know, trust us. We know what we're doing. Uh, and if it seemed a little rushed and like, well, what are we going to do with the final episodes? Well, I'm pretty confident that they have stuff planned that's going to be as good so i don't mind that this was resolved and you know even with the resolution of it you still have two rogue kryptonians out there which is a serious problem you know the leader of whom says it's not over um i'm hoping they don't go the same route the uh the bringing them back route obviously they could you know superman has you know the the eradicator with him he's taking it to the the fortress so they could you know try to get it back and and rebuild uh, except that, you know, now people will, you know, know to be looking for X kryptonite. And also it would have to be people from Smallville. So presumably people will be keeping an eye on the people of Smallville uh, to make sure that this doesn't happen again. And also, you know, thanks to the Smallville Gazette, they'll all know uh, exactly what happened. Um, so, yeah, obviously Morgan Edge is still out there. Um, will he return this season probably um and that you know might give them the reason to bring back uh, john henry irons you know as a person who can kill kryptonians uh but yeah it, it was it was fast but not in a bad way it was fast in the sense that you know strap yourself in you can't look away from the screen because something really significant might happen uh that you're going to wish you'd paid attention to and yet even though they're doing that they still had the moments for the quiet personal moments you know the, with the uh with the teens and stuff like that so man this was just a very well put together show it was. It was jam-packed, but jam-packed in a good way. Everything flowed perfectly. So by the end of the episode, the DoD ends up collecting all of Edge's former soldiers, and and they all look kind of shook. If uh, you know, they're like, "What the hell is going on?" Uh, Lois ends up uh, going to Lana, who has been returned to Lana. She's no longer Lara. And Lana ends up uh, reuniting with her family, a, a Kyle that, uh, you know, has been depowered as well, and, and that sort of thing. So the, the Cushings are back together. As you mentioned, Superman ends up getting blown all the way to the fortress. How that happened, I don't know. Uh, and he has the Eradicator with him. Uh, he ends up crawling in through, like, through the snow and ends up collapsing. And we do see somewhere in the desert, Grand Canyon, I don't know where the hell they are, but uh, Leslie and uh, Morgan Edge are reunited, and he confidently tells her after she's like, you know, everything has been ruined, and he's like, no, you know, you know, not all is lost. He says confidently, so uh, clearly he's got a backup plan. What that is? I cannot tell you. But the fact that these writers are... They're doing two things. They are using comic book lore, but they're remixing it for their story needs. Like, clearly... I, I could be mistaken, Professor. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think Morgan Edge has ever been a Kryptonian. I don't think that a Kryptonian has ever pretended to be Morgan Edge. So the fact that they are combining some plot points from the comics, remixing it, you know, 
writing it in a way that that fits into the story that they want to tell is really nice because there is the lore as the backbone but they're creating a new story which means like they're remixing that lore and and they're just using it in in a way that they want to to tell the story that they want to tell so they aren't strapped down they don't have you know they aren't tied down to the lore which is a great thing because i think for for a lot of people out there you know if you know the comics really well then you can kind of see where things are going based off of the lore but since they're remixing it i i think it leaves the door open for anything to happen the people online seem to think that uh, edge is playing a version of the Eradicator, which has been a, a character in the comics. There have been different iterations. Sometimes it's a person. Sometimes it's like a robot. Sometimes it's just a thing. Um, they're thinking that maybe because he he has the Eradicator and they, they kept on saying it, that maybe that's who Edge, like the name that Edge will take on as the supervillain maybe. Or maybe it's just the name of the contraption. Who knows? Uh, but Professor, where do you think it goes from here. Uh, we clearly have Superman um, knocked out. Uh, he will be out of commission uh, for, I would think, at least the next episode, depending on how long that the next episode takes. You know, maybe the next episode encompasses a couple days. So those will be the couple days that Superman is out of commission. Where do you think the story goes from here, Professor? You know, I really don't know. Um, you know, the, the, the cheap and easy way, you know, sort of, uh, you know, Arrowverse 101 would be for, uh, you know, uh, really what I was afraid was happening at the end of the episode was that, you know, uh, Superman is is crawling towards the fortress carrying the Eradicator. And, you know, we cut to a shot of Morgan Edge standing there. And I thought he was standing there just waiting to take it off, you know, Superman's, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, too weak to protest hands. Uh, but they didn't do that, you know, by putting it in the desert. You know, clearly, you know, Superman has gotten away with it. Uh, I hope they don't revisit the same eradicator storyline you know i think they've done it they did it very well and um you know presumably they they have a defense against it uh, i hope that when morgan edge comes back it's with something different uh what that is i don't know um and, and honestly i wouldn't mind him just disappearing for the rest of the season maybe coming back next season i think we still have a lot to deal with in terms of you know the family stuff uh going on uh, having said that, I think, you know, you kind of have to bring him back, uh, you know, to, to have the reason to bring back um, uh, John Irons. Uh, and again, you know, uh, as you were saying, the idea of taking elements from the comics, you know, to appeal to, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the nerds among us, uh, but twisting them very slightly, like the Captain Luthor idea, and then finding out it was John Irons. You know, that I think that they're very clever. They're taking from, you know, bits and pieces of the Superman mythology. Uh, what I would like for the next episode, I... I, I I, I don't know how they would explain it, but I would really like Clark to get back from uh, the fortress and just have a family episode where everyone is decompressing and dealing with the fallout of what just happened. I suspect it more likely from, you know, if they're trying to be true to it, you know, Superman will be at the fortress, but, you know, unable to to come back until he gets his powers back. She can't really book a flight from the, uh, the fortress of solitude. Uh, but I would like to see, you know, the Kent family back together, you know, you know, dealing with the fallout and the consequences of all of this, just like, you know, the rest of the town is going to be dealing with the fallout and the consequences. I'm pretty sure one of those consequences will be Lana, you know, questioning. And, and you know, again, maybe she just has questions now. And, and maybe it's the fact that Clark has disappeared. Well, where has Clark disappeared to? Uh, or maybe there will be a situation that needs Superman and Superman isn't around. So, you know, Jordan will feel called upon to try to uh, solve the problem himself. Um, that might be interesting uh, as well. Um 
So, yeah. I, I, and again, we don't know whether this actually solves everything. You know, maybe the Kryptonians are still there hidden and, and they're not fully eradicated. I hope they are, because I think they did a very good job of, uh, of doing this, uh, of setting it up. Uh, but uh, again, as I said earlier, uh, I just I have sufficient confidence in the showrunners and the writers that uh, I, I don't know what's coming next, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah, the writers have been top notch. I trust the writers of Superman and Lois. Uh, I can't wait for John Henry Irons' uh, return. I feel like he's either going to return in like the, the end of the next episode or at least the next the episode after that. I, I don't really know what the next episode is based off of the promo. It was hella weird. The title is hella weird. So I have no idea what's going to going to happen um, based off of just the promo. It looks like maybe we might be going into Superman's mind while he's recovering. Maybe I, I have no idea. It, it looks it looks like probably one of the most bizarre episodes of Superman and Lois, and we haven't had a bizarre episode of Superman and Lois yet, so this could be the first of just a weird episode of Superman and Lois, but I'm here for it. Stay tuned. It should be an interesting ride. It has been thus far. Professor, did I miss anything? A teeny tiny little moment or anything that uh, you want to discuss before we head into the MVP? Well, one thing I've mentioned before when we're doing the teeny tiny moments is that, you know, I love the fact you're giving, uh, you know, Clark uh tyler hecklin you know that dry sense of humor you know the uh you know he's so often you know uh you know you know being the dad or um you know uh being you know superman who's you know not humorless but you know doesn't crack jokes but you know uh there's the scene where you know he's brought a coffee out to lois and he hears a signal has to go visit it and looks out the front lawn and sees all the dod guys there and says i guess i'll have to go out the back way uh he just gets these these little you know these little lines that you know and they're usually to lois and it just shows the depth of their relationship that uh you know the uh you know the way they relate to each other and again you know a term that i've often used when talking about the uh the uh the characters on superman and lois that we don't always say when it comes to arrowverse shows is it's mature it's grown up. It's uh, it's really delightfully done, uh, and I love that they find ways to to give him those moments. I agree. Yes, uh, Tyler Hecklin is one of the best iterations of Superman. Big screen, small screen, any screen. Period. He has been fantastic. Same with Bitsy Tulloch as Lois Lane. Just fantastic. The entire cast, they've all been fantastic. Let's just be real. All right, it's time for the MVP. Let's talk about these fantastic people. The most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So, choose wisely. I'm going to go first because it's my special day. So I'm going to treat myself. And I'm going to give it to Emmanuel Shrieky. She was just fantastic from the beginning to the end. I, I, I think this is maybe the second, third time that I've chosen Lana as my MVP, and, and that reason, the reason is because she's just been so fucking fantastic. Uh, I, okay, confession time. I did not really watch Smallville, so I know that a lot of people know the character of Lana that have watched live-action Superman series from, you know, they know her from Smallville. So this, to me, is a new character. Like, I know that Lana existed, uh, you know, I know Smallville existed, but I, I just never really watched the show. That was, like, not my Superman TV series. But, uh, so, so I didn't really know what to expect from this character. And the fact that we've gotten so much nuance from her, the fact that she's grown as a character in 10 episodes. I mean, she started off being sort of almost like the meek wife, uh, you know, to sort of like the overpowering, overbearing Kyle. 
And throughout these 10 episodes, she's found her voice. She's given, she's been given agency. She's been given authority. And I just love the strength that Emmanuel Shrieky is radiating through the character. Now, on top of that, she got to play Superman's mama, and she was fantastic as that as well. So, uh, Lana gets the kudos from me um, in this episode. MVP for her. Professor, what about you? I'm going to give it to Morgan Edge. Uh, yes, he did lose in the episode, but I thought, you know, the, uh, you know, the finding out his backstory, uh, you know, and more to, you know, the actor playing Morgan Edge than to the character of Morgan Edge. Uh, but, you know, he had a lot of exposition, you know, in that voiceover scene. I thought he delivered it really, really well. Uh, he managed to be, you know, evocative and interesting and give us, you know, uh, we may not sympathize with how Morgan Edge turned out, but I think we do have an understanding and as I said, you know, a, a big element of this this episode was, you know, uh, nurture versus nature. You know, you're not born a certain way. You are a certain way because of how you grew up, because of the way people treated you, because of how your family treated you, etc. And, you know, uh, Morgan Edge is, you know, shadows of uh, of the red sun or the red daughter uh, storyline over on Supergirl. You know, the the product of your upbringing, you are that product. And mm-hmm. uh, I fact that you know he he manages to be a foil to to clark you know this is what clark could have been had he not had the family environment and the family that he currently has and um uh you know i just think it was it was really well done well let's talk about how well done that was uh it's time to rate the episode how would you rate this episode on a scale of one to ten red capes the point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may archive the episode in the Fortress of Solitude. We could just, you know, attach it to Clark if, if you want, since uh, Superman is headed that way. Anyway, Professor, I have a feeling I know where you're going, but I need the verbal confirmation. How would you rate this episode? Well, I don't know if Clark's going to be able to find space for the Eradicator in the Fortress, because there's a... Another episode going up in there. Uh, this was such a great episode. I mean, yes, fast paced, but still had the character moments, uh, great action sequences. Uh, you know, I, I just wow! It was it was an absolute delight. And I co-sign that. It's getting archived in the Fortress of Solitude as well. I really think, and, and and I don't want the other writers of other CW verse shows to get offended by this. Maybe a little. But I really think they need to watch Superman and Lois. Like they need they need a master class in Superman and Lois to sort of at least see where they should take the tone of their shows. Like I know that several of them have been doing this for many, many seasons, so it might be a little bit of a shift in, in doing things, but they need to get inspiration from Superman and Lois because it has just been stellar. And it's a shame that that it's on the same network as some of the other shows. And, you know, we have had our complaints about some of the other series. Not all of them, but we have had some complaints. And uh, I feel like they would learn a lot from Superman and Lois. It's just been fantastic. Maybe it's the, you know, first season um, freshness. Uh, maybe it's just the damn writing. I feel like it's the damn writing and the acting. And on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of the Smallville Gazette. Here's an answer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com.
Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Small Hill Gazette and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-host, please wish the listeners a good night. Good night, Smallville, and happy birthday, Jeff. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of the Smallville Gazette every Thursday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio Archives. Good night. Mm-hmm.